If I asked you right now to list all of the subscriptions you pay for, would you be able to? I really thought my answer to that question would be a resounding yes. But with the help of Rocket Money, I was able to find some sneaky ones I must have forgotten to cancel before the free trial ran out. Between streaming platforms, apps, delivery services, and even parenting slash kids subscriptions, though they all seem like really small amounts, when pulled together, that's a pretty big chunk of your spending money out the door. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over $500 million in cancel subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. That's rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Rocketmoney.com slash morning cup. Are you looking to make better, healthier choices this year? Then let me help you out by introducing you to ButcherBox. ButcherBox not only helps you treat yourself to more delicious and wholesome meals, but it takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat with humanely raised beef, pork, chicken, seafood, and more that's delivered straight to your door. ButcherBox partners with folks who share their high standards and truly care about how animals are raised. Plus, they're B Corps certified, which makes me feel even better about my decision to be part of the ButcherBox community. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus get, 20, plus get $20 off your first order. That's right. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef, three pounds of chicken thighs, or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free offer and get $20 off. There were two more murders 15 miles when away. When arrived, they found the telephone the line described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning cup of murder. Not everyone serving time in prison is guilty of their crimes. It's a terrifying idea. Men and women sitting in prison, innocent. But it's a harsh fact. Not all investigations are perfect. There is human error and, in some sad cases, corruption in the department. On September 23, 1956, a man was born who would confess to a crime that three other men were already serving time for. Innocent men who had their lives turned upside down by a dicey investigation. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On February 25, 1983, 10-year-old Janine Nicarico, sick with the flu, was left alone in her Naperville, Illinois home while her parents returned to work and her sisters went to school. The family thought nothing about leaving the girl alone and only thought of the rest she would be getting and hoping she would get well soon. When they came home, however, they realized that their home had been broken into and that the young girl was missing. The only clue left behind was a boot print on the front door of the home. Two days later, her raped and beaten body was found six miles from her home. It wasn't long before, in an effort to claim the $10,000 reward, that known gang member, Rolando Cruz, contacted the police and began spinning a story about who he thought was responsible for the crime. He thought he was giving just enough false information to get the reward, but what he was actually doing was throwing suspicion on himself 
and implicating two others in the crime. On March 8, 1984, Rolando Cruz, Alejandro Hernandez, and Stephen Buckley were arrested for the rape and murder of Janine Nicarico. The thing was, there was no evidence against them, just whatever information was gathered by Rolando's attempt at an award. Now, while these men were waiting for their trial, and some officers were claiming they had a decent confession that they just so happened to forget to record, a man named Brian Dugan sat in prison with something interesting to say. Brian Dugan was born September 23, 1956, in Nashua, New Hampshire, to a family of alcoholics. Even from his birth, Brian had it hard. According to the family, while giving birth to Brian, he began crowning before the doctor arrived. So, in an effort to delay his birth, a nurse pushed his head back inside of his mother and strapped her legs together. They believe that this incident caused lasting brain damage, as Brian would later get headaches so severe that he would vomit. He was a chronic bedwetter, as was his adult father, and showed all of the classic symptoms of a psychopath. So much so that his family sent him to a specialist. When he was eight years old, he and his younger brother burned the garage down and, at 13, poured lighter fluid on the family cat and set it on fire. He ran away in 1972 and, just a year later, was arrested for what would be the first of many times. According to his younger brother, it was just before he ran away that Brian attempted to molest him after staying at a youth home. His brother believed that Brian molested him because he was molested while staying at the home. And in 1974, he attempted to abduct a 10-year-old girl from a train station. He was violent, troubled, and ready to escalate his crimes. On July 15, 1984, Brian Dugan noticed 27-year-old nurse Donna Shore in her car at a stoplight in Geneva, Illinois. He followed her, ran her off the side of the road, pulled her from her car, and began raping and beating her. He eventually drowned the young woman in a nearby quarry. From then, he went on a spree beginning with the May 6th abduction and rape of 21-year-old Sharon Grzeck in North Aurora. Then, on the 28th, he attempted and failed to grab a 19-year-old woman as she walked along the roadway in Aurora, but the following day, abducted and raped a 16-year-old girl in the same area. Luckily, all three of these women were able to survive their attacks. Not so lucky was 7-year-old Melissa Ackerman. She and her friend had been riding their bikes in Samanac, Illinois on June 2, 1985, when they were approached by Brian Dugan. He grabbed her friend Opal first and threw her inside of the car, but as he went to get Melissa, Opal was able to escape. Melissa was raped, murdered, and thrown in a creek about 15 miles away. The next day, Brian Dugan was arrested at his job for Melissa's abduction. He had been approached by an officer in a neighboring town about his expired tags, and when Opal escaped and gave an accurate depiction of the car, it matched the one that had been pulled over. Despite this, Melissa's body was not found for several weeks. When it was, Brian was charged with her murder. But in an effort to avoid the death penalty, Brian said he had more to tell police. He confessed during a plea deal to the murders of both Melissa Ackerman and Donna Shore, for which he was sentenced to two life terms. But he wasn't done. He gave an unofficial confession to a crime that he said should be a deal to avoid the death penalty when brought to trial. But the prosecutors rejected this new deal and he refused to make an official confession. What crime was he confessing to? 
the 1983 murder of Janine Nicarico, which, if true, occurred five months before his first official murder. In the meantime, at a joint trial, Rolando Cruz and Alejandro Hernandez were convicted and sentenced to death in 1987. The jury deadlocked when it came to Stephen Buckley, and he was not retried for the case. Then, the public became aware of Brian Dugan's confession and pressured the DA to investigate him more thoroughly. Instead, Rolando and Alejandro were given a second trial in 1990, where Rolando was sentenced to death a second time, while, after a hung jury, Alejandro was tried a third time and sentenced to 80 years in May of 1991. Rolando, of course, appealed, but in 1992, his conviction was upheld. But the following year, a court finally agreed to rehear the case, and on July 14, 1994, he was granted a third trial. This third trial would change everything. A sheriff's lieutenant reversed his testimony, new information was entered, and most importantly, DNA test results excluded both Rolando and Alejandro and instead matched that of Brian Dugan. This confirmed what the men had been fighting for for the last 10 years, that they were completely innocent of the crime. Alejandro Hernandez had his conviction overturned on January 30, 1995, and was released a year later. In November of 1995, Rolando Cruz was acquitted. In 2000, all three men received a settlement of $3.5 million for wrongful prosecution. And that same year, the highly publicized trial and very public blunder that almost led to the execution of two innocent men led the governor to impose a death penalty moratorium in the state. The officers involved in the false confessions were brought to trial for the alleged conspiracy against Rolando, but in 1999 were acquitted of the charges. As for Brian Dugan, he was indicted for Janine's murder in 2005, and in September of 2009, entered a guilty plea. He was sentenced to death that November, but by the time his execution date rolled around, the death penalty was abolished and his sentence was commuted to life in prison without the possibility of parole. One last interesting tidbit of information before you go. In 2008, the Daily Herald reported that Brian, since the 1980s, claimed that in 1972, he encountered a man at a grocery store who offered him a job. He got in his car, and the man took him to a secluded area, forced him to model bikini briefs and perform oral sex on him, gave him $20, and returned him to the store where he picked up another boy. It wasn't until his 1978 arrest that Brian knew the name of his molester, John Wayne Gacy. Whether this is true or not is still up for debate. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on September 24th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, Easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast.
All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.